Hello everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. It's Wednesday, December the 20th, and you're very welcome to the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. Today, I was joined by our political editor, Pat Lee, and also by Fine Gael Senator Catherine Noon, who was the chair of the Oireachtas Committee on the Eighth Amendment to the Constitution. That's Article 43.3, which asserts the equal right to life of the mother and the unborn child. Catherine Noon, you're very welcome to the podcast. A very big day in the history of Irish politics today. The uh, committee delivered its report. Um, How has this process been for you as chair of it? Um, it has been a tough process for all members of the committee, I think. Um, being chair of this committee was never going to be an easy job and it hasn't been an easy job. And um, But it was an honour to do it and I'm very happy that I did. And um, yeah, uh, we, we got to where we got today, which I think a lot of people didn't think we would. So mm. um, in, in, in many ways, um, also, time-wise, so so we've managed to to report. Yeah, because a lot of people thought it wouldn't be intended. possible within the within the time frame that was available. The other thing, which is striking, which on one level is is completely obvious that it turned out this way, but it really was very striking how uh, I was reading and hearing two very different sets of opinions yeah. about the uh, the process of the committee and and how it rolled out. That on the one hand, I I heard commentators suggesting it was Irish politics at its best. It was measured, it was thoughtful, it examined all the options, it was open to ideas. And on the other hand, I heard that it was exactly the opposite, that it was rigged to deliver a certain outcome. And I've heard it all. Sure. (laughs) And um, the reality is that it's easy to say over and over again that a process was biased, etc. And it's easy to keep saying something, but it doesn't make it true. So for you, how was the process from the start through the end? Um, um, so say, for example, the criticism which we hear again and again, which is that there were too many people on the uh, anti-amendment side and not enough on the pro-amendment side. Well, what I would say is that the committee members, and Pat will know this as well as I do, uh, they were made up, they were representative in the sense that they were made up of Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Sinn Féin, Independence, Labour, you know, and um, AA, PPP. So, you know, it was representative of the members of the Oireachtas and um, I think probably representative of the Irish people, but nobody really knows that exactly. And in terms of the witnesses who were called before? Well, the witnesses, you see, this is, um, it's good to have the opportunity to talk about this because um, the witnesses who were called, we decided as a committee. So I as chair did not decide on any particular witness. The the committee decided um, that we would call on witnesses who had, and medical legal experts from the Citizens Assembly, not advocacy groups, because we actually made a point of not getting into advocacy groups in the, in the main, even though we did have a few in the end, uh, because it would have been not possible within the time constraints, but also rep, a lot of repetition. So mm. it was decided that those first and then 
um, experts suggested by members of the committee. So some people bought into that process more than others, you know, and the reality is that uh, I believe that the witnesses who came before us were for the most part experts in their area and didn't necessarily hold a strong view. I mean, it's difficult to talk about something that you are a professional in um, without speaking, you know, in an in-depth and clear way about something. But because the criticisms from some members of the committee, you know, such as Ronan Mullen and Matty McGrath, sure. was that the expert witnesses, the professional witnesses, skewed towards a pro-choice position. Well, you see, the reality is that it's quite difficult to get medics in this country to come in to a committee of the Oireachtas and tell us that the status quo should be maintained. That's the reality. You know, um, the witnesses we heard from, in particular Fergal Malone, the professor in the Rotunda, he made a specific a point of saying he had never given his opinion publicly on this matter before and that his views were based on his interaction and dealing with women on a daily basis in his professional capacity. And we had the WHO, the masters, as I said, of the maternity hospitals, the, the GP representatives, you know, they, they are not pro-choice or pro-life. And, you know, what does pro-life and pro-choice mean anyway nowadays? Like what what does it mean? Can somebody who's pro-life not be pro-choice and can somebody who's pro-choice not be pro-life and so on? You know, I think we need to be more nuanced in this debate. Pat, how, were you surprised at how this process panned out? I'm not sure I had any great expectations of it one way or the other uh, when it began. I thought it was in some parts, um, certainly the stamina of the uh, of the members of the committee was very impressive. I thought that they... Maybe you could explain that very to the like how much work was involved and how, you know, how they had the, the process. Hours, they had very long hours. So I'm, uh, Catherine, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but I would guess most... When every Wednesday the committee sat for six, seven hours through sometimes pretty heavy evidence. That was the that was the public work, and there was also some Thursdays um, that there were sessions scheduled for. There was also private meetings, and there was also then I suppose uh, members spending their own private time briefing themselves on the submissions and preparing questions um, and uh, and so forth. And there was a good deal of expert uh, evidence brought, both medical and legal, brought before. Uh, brought before the committee, though I would say that some of the um, uh, that some of the experts, some of the, the experts were certainly coming from a position of well-known advocacy for uh, particularly the pro-choice uh, side of the argument. And um, I think they had a very tight timetable. Was that maybe a good thing? I wonder, actually, I wonder if there isn't, and perhaps this is a function that the Citizens' Assembly, um, that the Citizens' Assembly undertook on, uh, on, on, on behalf of all of us, but I think there is a value in a, in a reasonably lengthy consideration of different perspectives uh, on this question and testimonies and experts and, uh, and, and advocates, from, advocates from all sides of it. Because um, of the list of witnesses chosen by the committee, um, there was, uh, as you can plainly see from the list, there was a bias towards uh, people on the pro-choice side of, of the argument. I mean, that as a, a statement of fact rather than and this may as be an, an accusation. Impossible question to answer, and it was, how well, just, just to finish this, sorry, that point, because yeah. I think it's important, uh, that 
situation was exacerbated by the decision of some uh, witnesses from a pro-life or anti-abortion okay. perspective who declined to uh, who declined to attend. But the committee chose witnesses for uh, for one reason or another, and I, I think Catherine's point about it being difficult to find people in the medical profession in Ireland who are happy with the current situation is a telling one and an important one. Uh, but be that as it may, the uh, the list of witnesses that appeared before the committee was overwhelming. And just in relation to, to the committee itself, as Catherine points out, obviously that it's representative of the current composition of, of the doll. Um, this may be an impossible question to answer, but, but do, you think it's, anyway. <clears throat> do you think it's representative of the current set of views in the Oireachtas on this issue? In other words, there has been a general perception, I've heard it expressed in, in this studio and other places, that actually our elected representatives in the Oireachtas are, are somewhat more conservative on this issue than perhaps the general population is. They have certainly voted uh, along a reasonably conservative, uh, reasonably conservative lines in a variety of, pro, uh, of private members' motions on, uh, on this and related issues that have come over the last, uh, over the last while. But uh, in, in, in a way, I suppose they were, they were that they were covered or they were protected by, in many cases, a whip system and also by the ex- the existing constitutional provision which begat legal advice that the legislative proposals made in those private members' uh, bills weren't uh, weren't constitutionally permissible under Article 40, uh, under Article 43.3. I, I think this rather long-winded preamble to answering or rather not answering your question, which is that will this now pass well, that's through the, that's the, big the House? Mm. My expectation is that it will pass. And Gosh, will pass. that the bill for the referendum, oh. and that's the first. There are two legislative uh, parts to, to this picture. Yeah. There is the yeah, Act of the Oireachtas yeah. that sets up, uh, that allows for the referendum to be held. But there's also the legislation, and Catherine's committee has made recommendations as to the legislation which will implement a new legal sure. regime or dispensation for abortion in Ireland in the event of that referendum passing. And the heads of that bill are going to be uh, published, as I understand it, uh, before the uh, before the referendum bill, or certainly around the same time as the referendum bill. So, so just to be clear on that, Catherine, in terms of your recommendations, the first thing obviously is the uh, the recommendation to repeal the eighth in its in its entirety and not replace it with any alternative wording and that needs to be voted on by the Oireachtas. the heads of the bill which pat is referring to they don't need to be voted on go- do they the government no, no, the no. government just no, needs to no, no, no. needs needs be. to need, no we can't they can't no, be indeed no so the government just needs to indicate its, its intention uh, yeah. to proceed with that legislation exactly i mean it's not unprecedented i mean lots of referenda um, are accompanied by legislation that may come into being but it depends on the political reality. Well, yeah, following I mean, I think a it is referendum. A of political reality. So yeah. previously, there were, um, you know, say before the uh, before the um, divorce, the second divorce referendum. You know, there was family home legislation. There yeah, was exactly. judicial separation sure. legislation. All the building blocks were put in place like that. That can't happen in this uh, on this occasion because the law cannot be liberalised. Until the const- until such time as the constitution yes. is changed, so yeah, hand in and this I yeah. think will be a, a, a difficult campaigning point for the government as it proposes this referendum. That is uh, what what is indeed to happen, uh, which is that they are saying we will implement this legislation. Uh, permitting uh, abortion, we presume, if it accords with, uh, with 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 the recommendations in the report today, up to uh, up to twelve weeks. But actually, 
that could be amended by the doll. That is no more than a political sure. and, promise. And, and, and Catherine, I mean, let, let me bring, bring you back in on this. I mean, you, you have now chaired the committee and the committee is now delivered its report. You remain a member of the uh, Fine Gael Parliamentary Party. What's your sense of the view or the range of views across the party? Um, they're very, we're a broad church, definitely. Um, there are a variety of views from ultra conservative to ultra liberal on this, I think. And um, I think the majority of people are somewhere in the middle. Um, But I I don't know the straight answer to that question because a lot of people don't necessarily show their hand. Um, But, you know, we are a traditional conservative party and I think we have... um, you know, evolved and matured uh, to a large extent over the years. And I think we've shown a willingness as a party to deal with issues that traditionally we would have run a mile from. So um, I just wanted to come back to a few points, though, that Pat touched on. The tight time scale, you know, that that was a good thing because it made us focus and it made us not repeat work. And the reality is that we could have been down in that committee room for a year discussing this, Um, you know, and we'd still probably arrive at a similar point because we really focused on the issues. We got the experts to to tell us what the facts uh, and the reality of the daily um the daily reality of this is for 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 women and for medics. Um on the the um current views of people, you know, it, it it's impossible really to to I know you've done a lot of polling in the Irish Times but I think it's impossible to say where people in the country are at on this until the campaign actually gets going and until we start get, you know, it, well, that, it'll take on well a life the, of its that own. That may well be the case. It's a point we made here before. Mm. I think there are grounds for believing that once a debate takes place, that you know, a group of people will end up at a more uh, in a more liberal position. Well, well, indeed, that is what in, has happened. Indeed, and let, me, and let me ask you about that because it's been said of both the Citizens Assembly, uh, particularly of the Citizens Assembly, but also of the committee to some extent as well, that this process of having to really you know, acquaint oneself with the yeah. detail, the medical yeah. detail, um, the, the legal detail, the ethical issues, and really confront them, mm-hmm. tends has tended to push some people in both the case of the yeah. Citizens Assembly and the committee towards uh, yes. towards a more repeal position. Than I mean, it has been had. interesting. It has been surprising. It has been amazing, really, uh, th- this process to me. Um, you know, th- there's a huge lack of understanding and knowledge in this area most of all amongst the members of the Oireachtas. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to any of my colleagues. But people say, I'm pro-life, you know, and I don't know what that means necessarily. I mean, I know what it means in the in the conservative sense. Um, and I think, did we adopt that kind of phraseology from the states? I mean, the, the, the reality is a lot different to what what is portrayed, the simplistic argument that has always been propound it. You know, like people saying to you, I'm pro-life, as though that means that um, I'm better than you. I'm somehow in a position where I'm you know, I, I I don't quite know what pro-life well, means well, anymore. Well, can hear something and, similar from the and pro-choice. The I'm pro-choice I was getting to pro-choice, too. exactly. The pro-choice side is kind of like, am I better than you because mm. I'm more educated and more liberal or, you know, I'm more worldly? You know, so really, we need to get away from that. You know, we need to talk about the middle, you know, the reality of, I think most Irish people would want to think that Irish women and I think most Irish men would want to support Irish women in making decisions that are 
you know, right for them in, in difficult circumstances. And the bottom line is, and the reason I think, and I think I do speak for the majority of the committee when I say this, that we came to the decision we came to because, A, incest and rape are very, very difficult, if not impossible in the case of rape, to legislate for. And B, that abortion pills are widely available in this country and being taken by Irish citizens on a daily basis when they're not supervised by their doctors. And... I went into the committee not even knowing about an abortion pill, to be honest. And my level of ignorance was quite high when it comes to abortion pills. And now I seem to know a lot about abortion pills. And the reality is a lot of my colleagues in the Iraq this won't have the opportunity that we had to really get into the nuts and bolts uh, of, mm. of this. For, and nor the electorate when it comes uh, to them. Exactly. And that is that is a difficult piece of work that has to be done now to get people to understand. And I don't mean it in a patronising way, but to understand how we came to our decision. Because there are a lot of people on the committee who could have never envisaged <coughs> we would make the decisions that we did. And, you know, that, that that's, um, that's the reality. But, but we love to think that we live in a democracy of educated, enfranchised voters who inform themselves fully on an issue before finally and reluctantly coming to what they think may be the best decision. But that ain't necessarily the way it works. Definitely and when you have not. a binary choice, mm. uh, which is what a referendum inevitably provides you with, mm. what are the chances, you think, of the electorate getting the opportunity to educate itself in the way that Catherine well, described. I, I think the, the electorate will have the opportunity uh, to do so. Of taking the opportunity. Then. Whether it takes the opportunity is another matter. I'm minded um, uh, that the example of one recent referendum, I think it was the one on Oireachtas Committee, yeah. uh, 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 Committee inquiries, power, which yeah. sought Indeed. to extend the power of Oireachtas Committees to have, uh, to have inquiries. And uh, opinion polls showed before the um, uh, showed before the poll that it would uh, that it would pass. It was of course defeated. And opinion polls showed after uh, after the fact that it would pass. That uh, that this was something that people were in favour of, and not just yeah. when people were asked, because there was extensive research commissioned by the government afterwards. But when people were when they were actually properly tested on it, they were quite in favour of the proposal that Oireachtas yeah. Committee should have the right to inquire into things and make findings yeah. of fact. But nonetheless, they went out and voted against it, thus illustrating that people vote in referendums on, on the what they want to vote uh, themselves. That may be uh, related to the uh, the issue that is so sensibly under decision or it, uh, or it may not. So, for instance, in an awful lot of referendums, voters have t- simply taken the opportunity to kick the government of but, the day. But, 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 yeah. but we know, and we know this historically, that that's unlikely to happen in this issue. It I does think, happen with I issues which are more will, abstruse politically. Yeah. This is a big issue. I which think is, people will know, engage on this one. Uh, and I hope, I hope people do. And I hope most of all that my colleagues in the Iraq this do. Because, um, you know, the, the reality is we're handing over now from a committee made up of, um, I think it's 11 women and 10 men, which is more or less 50-50, we'll say, because, you know, me plus 10 and 10. Mm. And um, we're handing over to it all that is majority male. And, um, and how significant do you think that is that feels like a stupid question even as I ask it. yeah well I suppose the question is would we be having this conversation if men could have babies you know and that that is, that is the question really you know yeah. it's not really the question <laughs> <laughs> but that's a question I think it's a question I wonder also yeah. hearing what you're saying about the complexity of people's views including members of the Oireachtas I mean there was a notable feature 
during the marriage equality referendum, say, which was far less contentious than than this is likely to be, actually, that some yeah. people just kept their heads down. And I meant to come back to that, actually, the point that you were making about, you know, referenda in general, like even a referendum that is kind of a slam dunk, like the children's rights referendum, they're narrowly won you know, mm. sometimes where they just make total sense. So, I it's mean, the general rule of Irish politics that if there's a referendum, a third of people will vote against it, irrespective of what it is. Exactly. That's the base. Yeah. That's the base. Something yeah. proposed by the government. Uh, yeah. Now, I think Hugh is right that, it's a little you know, this yeah. referendum is uh, is is different. People have also had some measure of exposure to the issue through the media over the last um, uh, over the last 12, uh, 12 months or so. I think um if you were to say, go back 12 months and you were to look at, try and look into the future and say, well, if if a referendum to abolish the Eighth Amendment is going to be passed, what would the things, uh, what things would need to be in place? And I would have said at that point, just looking at the, the polls and uh, uh, looking at the polling done to that point, I would have said that you would need to have a a restricted legislative framework uh, in uh, in place are, are rather ready, ready to go, go. ready to go yeah. mm. so that it wouldn't be abortion on request up to 12 weeks which and what is do you now, mean by restricted I would say that um, uh, I think I first of all I think that if let me put it another way right if there was um, if there was a proposal if your committee come out and the government is going to publish legislation which allowed for abortion in cases of rape uh, Incest, incest fatal, fatal fetal, fetal abnormality, uh, ab- abnormalities, serious threat to uh, the life or health of the woman. I would have thought that that, backed by that legislation, or with that legislation ready to go, uh, a reform, uh, a repeal of the eighth would be very likely to succeed. But, but, yeah. but isn't I, it I, I perhaps an outcome of the process which we've been through, first Citizens' Assembly and the committee, that it's, it, I mean, frankly, no matter where you stand on the issue, that it has been proved that it's just not workable legally to institute well, something in, institute you. something based I mean, upon rape and incest, rape in particular. Pat, Pat, uh, Pat was in the committee a bit, but I doubt you heard as much as we did on this. And um, the reality is, Tom, you know, I mean, variety of experts, I don't want to single out any, uh, any particular person, you know, it is practically impossible to legislate for rape. I mean, the, the reality... The could be assertion. Mm. Yeah, and, and then, I mean, you know, like, the, the you can say that it's all but impossible to legislate in the case of rape. Mm. Incest is also difficult, obviously. Um, but you, that's why the committee came to the decision that it did. And the reality yeah, is no, I that... It's sorry, I understand that, yeah. but... What I'm what I'm saying is that I think that repeal is now a more difficult proposition mm. electorally or in, in when it comes to the referendum yeah. because you have twelve weeks unrestricted. So what you're depending on happening is that people change their minds in the way that perhaps people at the Citizens Assembly appear to have done. Certainly people at the committee yeah. say they have done. Well, You're depending on that happening again. Not necessarily again. Now, changing their well minds, Pat. Not well, necessarily, because we don't know. We don't know. I know you've done polling. Idea. We have no, a fairly good idea. It depends idea. on how you phrase the questions in polls as well. I mean, the reality is... Yeah, but we've is, asked it in several different yeah, ways now. We keep getting the same result. Fair enough. But the reality is that the Irish people are change adverse. That's 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 yeah. that's a reality in life. That's the nature of the beast. People don't tend to want change, you know, and a lot of people are conservative in this country and rightly so in, in a lot of instances. And I respect everybody's view on this. But 
it remains to be seen, Pat. You know, like we are only at the start of a process, really. Absolutely. And, and, and there's no the way of knowing. Passive, you know, you know, a campaign is dynam- dynamic and people may change their and minds. And a poll four months ago is different to a poll tomorrow For and sure. next yeah. week but, and the following but, week. You but know? accepting all that, and this is the last question because I know you're a little bit pushed yeah, for time. Thanks, yeah. The, 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 the retain the eight side have made no secret from the outset of the fact that they hoped for a, a referendum and accompanying legislation that was as liberal and as pro-choice as possible because they thought that gave them the best chance of defeating it. Do you think that's yeah, what we're I mean, actually facing? Do you know, that, that? I mean, that's an interesting way of looking at it because the reality is that it's easy easier for them to counter that that type of uh, those type of arguments. But I mean, if you were to have engaged on a daily basis and it's not realistic to think that everybody could or will, etc., with the evidence that we heard in the committee, there's no way that you would suggest that we should legislate for the case of rape. There's just no way that you would do that. And you know, that that's what it comes down to. And also the abortion pills. I mean, women are taking these pills up until 10, 11 weeks in uncontrolled ways, not supervised by their GPs. You know, you could. I think I once think Irish people come to understand that, but uh, yeah. Pat, genuinely, I think once people come to understand that. And again, I don't want to be patronising in the way that I say this, because we have I'm sort of so involved in this now after the last few months that, you know, not everybody has been listening to to these arguments as much as as we have for the last and indeed the likes of Pat and Sarah Barton have been looking at in the, in the last number of weeks but i think that once people start to appreciate why we came to the decisions that we did that they are likely to you know perhaps support uh, the, the the but it's up to the people at the end of the day. Isn't and we it? don't want to under- overstate the power of the committee or the members of the Oireachtas because our job is to facilitate at this stage, it's to facilitate a vote of the Irish people and to and to uh, make clear the legislation that would be likely to be in place uh, following such a referendum. That's the job. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of talk about the, a referendum not not being allowed through. I cannot envisage a situation where uh, members of the Oireachtas would prevent a vote on this after 40 years of people looking for it. Catherine Noon, thanks very much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Pat is still with us. Pat, I'm looking at Sarah Barden's story in this morning's Irish Times about uh, the position of the government on what ministers can or cannot do as this process now unfolds over the next few months. So ministers will be permitted to uh, vote against holding a referendum. I was surprised to see that this morning. Yes, they will. Um, And this is a departure from what has always been understood as collective responsibility. The constitution stipulates that the government shall act as a collective authority. And the doctrine of cabinet cabinet doctrine in the past has always been that ministers, once a decision is taken by the government, then the government acts with a single will and all ministers must back uh, uh, must publicly but, but didn't that. Liam Cosgrave as Taoiseach vote against his government's own contraceptive bill in the 70s? He did, declaring uh, he gave a free vote on it uh, and he uh, and he voted uh, he voted against his government's own legislation um, himself uh, and the reason uh, why everybody remembers that is that it is so unusual for us for it to happen. Now, but to be clear, are we just talking about custom and practice here or are we talking about some constitutional element? Obviously he didn't. It wasn't unconstitutional for Liam Cosgrave to vote against his own government. Well, I could find you some constitutional scholars who might might beg to differ. 
uh, on that. But um, uh, certainly, I think uh, the, the, the Constitution stipulates government must act as uh, uh, as, a, as a single, as a collective authority. So the government, and you can un- if you think about it, you can understand the reasons for that because the government is a legal person. It is litig- litigated for and yes, against and, and so forth. Yeah. And uh, that it has always been understood that while a free vote might be, uh, might be applied to TDs, that government ministers would stand by, publicly defend, even in cases where they do not always privately agree and may have voiced uh, reservations or vo- voiced outright opposition to a particular policy at the cabinet table, that once the cabinet makes a decision and a government decision has a standing in law, that they were duty-bound to uh, to back that in public. And if they wished to dissent from it in public, that the required course of action was that they should have to resign. Mm. So why but did Leo Varadkar take this course? Uh, I think he took it because there, he uh, he might lose a couple of members of his cabinet uh, on it had he not done so. And also, I suppose, uh, because it uh, he has, well, his predecessor actually guaranteed a free vote uh, for party members on this. There will be no, um, there'll be no whip applied to Fine Gael members on whether there is to be a referendum or on the legislation itself, if and when uh, that comes uh, that comes to the doll. And I suppose Mr. Radker is extending that uh, courtesy to the members of his cabinet. But it is an unusual move. Um, do you share um, Senator Noon's optimism that the, uh, that the legislation to move the referendum will be passed by the, by the doll? Um, were I to do so, I wouldn't classify it as optimism one way or the other. <laughs> if we are to maintain, if we are to maintain some degree of neutrality on uh, on these things, um, well, optimism in the sense of, of, enough, of, of yeah, a, no, a bookie's optimism, as opposed to some uh, <laughs> some support for one side or the other. Um, I think it will pass. I think it'll probably pass comfortably uh, in the the decision to hold the referendum. Uh, that is, which first requires an act of the Oireachtas. Uh, I think, uh, I think it will pass comfortably. Um, as to the prospects for the res- for the for the referendum itself, uh, I'll, I'll no doubt you and I will discuss that when the next round of polling comes in, and when we can put a much sharper focus on our questions about the uh, about the. In your experience, what's that sharper focus when when you know when an actual referendum question finally holds into view? Does that start well, to concentrate people's? Well, minds? we've been asking about the uh, both about people's voting intentions in the re- in the referendum and also about people's attitudes to abortion. But what we will have now for the first time, if the government commits to implementing the terms of uh, of Senator Noon's report is we will have a definite question in the referendum. Will you repeal uh, the Eighth Amendment? And th- that question will be to allow, uh, uh, to, to allow legislation to proceed, or the referendum, its intention will be to allow legislation to proceed to allow uh, a general access to abortion up to 12 weeks. So I think that would clarify in many people's minds what it is they're voting for. For So I think the next round of polling will be fascinating. And I suppose this is our last podcast before Christmas. So the, the time frame 
when the the doll resumes in January is very tight, isn't it? Uh, in terms of turning all this stuff around with an aim to have a referendum either at the end of May or the beginning of June. Yeah, I, I think, um, and my colleague Sarah Barden has done some work on the timetabling of this. Um, from the best of my recollection, for a referendum to take place in the middle of June, or perhaps on the 6th of June, uh, there has to be uh, a referendum bill will have to be passed in the Oireachtas by the middle of February. So that's pretty tight. So when the government comes back, it must decide what it wish what, what it wishes to do, and then it has to push it through through the doll. And let us not forget that the government does not enjoy a majority in the doll. Having said that, I think when the referendum bill uh, goes before the doll, as I say, I think it will pass and possibly pass quite comfortably. So it's not just that there's a free vote among f- members of Fine Gael. Across all the parties, there is a divergence of views on this, although you think a comfortable majority in favour of holding a referendum. I would have thought so, yeah. Sinn Féin will have a whipped vote um, uh, on it, but their party policy is to hold uh, is to hold a referendum in support repeal of the repeal of the 8th. Um, you know, and then on the one hand, you have this question of the referendum and then the, 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 the legislative or the heads of the bill, which will be, um, which will be hanging around uh, at the same time uh, as well. But what needs the vote in the doll uh, and the next, uh, that the next decisive stage if you like, is uh, is for that referendum bill to be put uh, to the doll and we'll see that happening in January. All right, thanks, Pat, and happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you, Hugh. And that's it for this edition of Inside Politics. Thanks to our producer, Declan Conlon, and engineer, JJ Vernon. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast provider may be. And you can also find us always at irishtimes.com slash podcasts. And please do take a moment, if you can, to recommend or to share the show to your friends. Also, we do really value your feedback and suggestions, and you can mail them directly to me at hlinehan at irishtimes.com, or you can easily find me on Twitter. But until next week, goodbye, and thanks very much indeed for listening. Listening.